0: Welcome to PHCP Pros Behind the Wall podcast. I'm Ellen Rohr, plumber's wife, industry icon, and COO of Zoom Drain Franchising Company. With this podcast, our intention is to have real, thought provoking conversations with people from across the PHCP industry. Of course, we want to entertain and encourage. Mostly, we want to connect and allow our guests to be vulnerable, to explore insights gained and lessons learned. Let's go behind the wall. And my guest today is my friend Josh Kelly of Clover Marketing and all sorts of other cool things that he's been up to and that's why we're here. Josh, welcome aboard.
1: Thank you, glad to be here.
0: I want to share a little bit about how we met because it's it's what really connected us. We were at a trade show. We were working the um EGA, EGIA event. And somehow we ended up laughing together at something. And what really struck me is something I wish everyone in business knew is that you make friends. You don't make sales. You make friends. And- It was, it was so cool, like not to get any pressure from you. There was no sales pitch involved. You and I just started laughing and I thought that's how you make a sale. I'm honor bound to hear you out at some point because now, now we, we love each other. Does it, does that, do you
1: remember this? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, uh, when you have a great product and you're doing a good job and you have a system, like there's no need to pour on, make people uncomfortable, right? Just enjoy it. And, uh, people will come to you. And you
0: also showed tremendous interest in what we were doing at Zoom Drain. You wanted
1: to see our shop.
0: You came out to visit us. We had adventures um, around that and we became friends. And I consider you a friend and a mentor and a resource uh, to this moment. You've turned me on to a lot of good resources as well. You're a really well-connected person in the industry and certainly tremendously respected. So I know that you're also involved with Parker and Sons. And we're going to go a little deeper there in just a moment. Your dad, Paul Kelly, is the CEO of that company in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And you're a serial entrepreneur in your own right. Um, We are customers of your previous company, Review Kangaroo. I think that was, uh, you've moved on to other adventures. You're a serial entrepreneur, as as people say. So I want to hear um, what you're up to, as well as a romantic. I met your wife, Laura, and you have this whirlwind romance story where you met, fell in love, and got married. Kaboom.
1: Yep. Yep. I married a foreigner. I I stole her straight from Ireland.
0: Yes. And and she's been on the Behind Wall podcast as well. So we're glad to have you here today. So why don't you tell our listeners what you're currently up to?
1: Yeah. So right now, I mean, I I have my hands in lots of things like always, uh, but really my main focus is uh, my marketing consulting business. So we have a business called Clover Marketing, where we help really large, successful contractors place their marketing, get much better, grow businesses pretty significantly. We're still doing jam sessions as well, which is kind of our monthly, we'll call it a webinar, but it's not a webinar. We take the best contractors in the United States, pick one concept that they're really amazing at. uh, And then we spend 30, 45 minutes doing the deep dive, exactly how to do that, give it action items, and then share that with the whole industry, really.
0: And I'm honored to be one of your jam session jammers. Jammerammers. Yeah, j- jammers? <laughs> Jammerammers. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, let's let's go back a little bit. You yeah. know, in everyone's life, the, the idea of behind the wall podcast is to get to know people, not necessarily how many trucks you have or, you know, your five top marketing tips. I want to know who you are.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: this industry is made up of just the most amazing, wonderful, generous people. I you know, I love, love, love this industry because of the people in it. So let's go back. There's always um, someone in time who saw you for who you are. Do you remember early on a mentor or someone who, who took a either a chance on you or called you out and and let you know that there was maybe more to you than the average bear saw?
1: You know, I don't know this is going to be counterintuitive to maybe what you're asking, but I don't know if there's really anything special about me to be perfectly honest. I don't really believe, you know, I don't know if you ever read the book, the talent code, like there's no innate ability to do things right. I've gotten really good because I've spent a lot of time, money and effort being really good at business and different things uh, and launching businesses and communication and sales and marketing but there wasn't like a moment where I was like, "Oh, this is it." I think it's a combination of a lot of small moments, a lot of small decisions. I was blessed to grow up with uh, my father, which you know very well, uh, is a—I mean, really the most successful con. We, our business, Parker and Sons, is the most successful contractor, maybe in the history of the industry. You know, we'll do 145 million this year, uh, just in Phoenix, and I grew up. In that business. Now he wasn't an entrepreneur to start, but I saw him evolve into that when I was fairly young. And I was trained from a very young age to be not necessarily entrepreneurial, but you know, business minded. I read business books as I was 15. I remember, I don't know if you know who Rick Hutcherson is, but I remember I did a Rick Hutcherson event when I was 13, which is like a sales, you know, how to do how to sell AC systems. And like I'm 13. I, you know what I mean? Like At the time, I worked in the sheet metal shop, which is probably illegal, not the point. Um, But, you know, (laughs) not the point. Yeah, no.
0: But so you grew up. So were you attracted to the family business or repelled or maybe a little of both?
1: A little bit of both. Um, You know, when I was younger, you know, if you're working installs over summer, which I did, you know, that's a lot of money for a 15, 16 year old. So I love that. And my father wasn't directly involved in the business in the beginning. So he was a VP of a company called Blue Dot. Uh, who, which owned several businesses. And I worked for one of the subsidiaries. So he, it's not like I was reporting to my father by any means. So that didn't bother me really. But I, I love the people in this industry. I love how down to earth and how driven they are and how kind and thoughtful the vast majority of them are. So I was attracted to the industry, but not necessarily, you know, my path is not, it was not a straight path by any means.
0: I can relate to that too. You know, as you say, you know you didn't feel like early on there was something that you had to do or there was a specific talent that you had that was a genius talent i remember feeling quite renaissance i wasn't great at anything but i was good at a lot of things and i could recognize greatness like i knew who 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 was really good i knew what quality Looked like, but I didn't ever feel like there was any one path that I was going to take. I figured this whole thing was going to be a mishmash, and it has been. My life has been all over the map, and it's been delicious. But I, I didn't have um like my sister Trish knew she was going to be a teacher from when she was like five years old. Yeah, that was just that was her path. She was going to do that, and I never felt like I knew what my path was going to be. And I'm hearing a little bit of that in you.
1: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I think you told me this once, uh, but I've heard this many times before, like when an opportunity presents itself, it's your responsibility to say yes and then figure it out. My whole life's been that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's like, now I feel qualified to say yes, right? But there were times where I said yes, I'm like, well, I, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to do this, but we're going to do it anyway. But yeah. Say
0: yes to what you want, whether or not you think you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Because there's a lot of imposters out there. And and so what? You'll figure it out or find someone who can help you along the way. I mean, imposter, I I feel like an imposter most of the time. I don't even mean that in a negative sense. I just mean like, oh, well, we're going to figure it out as we go.
1: You're never ready. You're never ready until you try it. Period. Right.
0: Now, let me, let me ask this though. So you did have your hands dirty moments. But the, the being a technician wasn't going to be your ultimate path.
1: No, it just, it, I knew from an early age, because I had done installs, like, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with being a technician. I think it's one of the best, most noble professions in the world. I think some of the happiest people in the world go home every day smelling like crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean? But I knew from a, a young age, that I just, I was a constant learner and I was a grower. And It just wasn't something I was interested in. I remember like, when I went to college, you know, um, you know, I remember I got a job with Dial America. I got a job with ESPN. You know, I was working for B- uh, Bonneville International, right? I was a very much like, how can I grow the fastest? How can I learn more? How can I be better at what my, or really anything, right? Uh, I know that sounds weird, but I didn't really have a clear goal in my head necessarily. I was just trying to build skills. And for me, that te- being a technician would have been too pigeonholed for me.
0: So how was your relationship with your dad as you were growing up? Because that's a, it's a big shadow. He is a very well-respected and quite a large personality in our, in our industry. Oh, yeah. So talk to, talk to me about how you guys have found your way.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, the truth is that's a big part of my driving factor, like is I don't feel like I compare to him uh, and I'll always have that. And that's just the way it is, right? Um, I think it's a positive thing now. And it has been for a long time, but I remember then this is such a goofy thing to say about right uh, I'm a fairly well liked no know, well known well respected person in the industry, and my father, although his name is very well known he's not he's just not that guy that goes out and does a whole bunch of stuff, he doesn't do speaking events, that's just not him for the most part, right and people are like, "I love you, Josh, I love you and then they'll meet my father, uh, Paul, and they're like, "Oh my God, Josh, you're like Paul light, Paul's amazing oh. I'm like'm I'm like yeah, no i I know." He's so cool. <laughs> no, but no, I mean, we, uh, he's one of my best friends. He's uh, my biggest mentor, the person I go to when I really need something deep. It's both ways now, but it wasn't that way for a long time. And I mean, I think it's one of the biggest blessings I could have ever had to, to have a father that number one cares so much, but that you know really installed in me the drive and the, the hunger for learning. And really, I mean, you could say whatever you want. He gave me a lot of opportunities and I did a lot with those opportunities, but without him, I would not be in the position I am no matter how well-driven and how smart and how much I learned.
0: Oh, I can feel the love, man. I can feel <laughs> it. Now, do you have, and I, and I like to explore this because there's so many uh, business, family businesses in, in, any, in any industry and certainly in ours. And it adds an element of kooky when family is involved or other. Do you, tell me about your siblings and the rest of your family. Like what are the dynamics there?
1: Yeah. My little sister works in Parker and Sons now. Um, she uh, actually runs the marketing now. Uh, my mother works for Parker and Sons, kind of, but she also works for another business uh, that my family owns called My Guy, which is a referral service. So when we say we're a family business, it's, it's not a joke. <laughs> uh, which causes some problems. But the truth is uh, we've all been very good about communication. And if you're good about communicating, it's not as big a deal. Um, but certainly, you know, expectations are different when you're family. Uh, it should be more, not less. Um, some companies are that way. But I, I believe it's okay and healthy to expect more from people that you trust more and that, you know, should care more.
0: Well, and now Clover Marketing is, uh, this is you and, and uh,
1: Laura. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: You can't yeah. help it. I'm stuck. Man. I'm stuck in <laughs> the hip now. <laughs> I love it. So what made you decide to do this? So here you are newly married and you decide to work together or was it really a working relationship right out of the gate?
1: Uh, Laura, I mean, don't, I guess this is recorded, so it doesn't matter, but I mean, Laura may be smarter than me. Um, Laura is a very, very smart She is smart a
0: firecracker woman. too. I mean, I oh, yeah. love, love, love her energy.
1: Yeah. And I had this thought. I mean, so when we first met, I was an executive at Pulse, which is, you know, a billion dollar home service company, right? Based out of San Francisco. I was traveling to San Francisco every other week. And when she came to the United States, she could work, but there was a certain point where her visa, her work visa ran out and she wasn't allowed to work. Uh, and she was going nuts. I said, why don't you work in one of our businesses? And like, I'll just figure out how to you know, I'll pay myself more and then we'll give you some money. Right. Uh, which we, you know, IRS, you didn't hear that.
0: Wait a second. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um,
0: la, 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 la.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, but so knowing her drive, knowing who she is, knowing how smart she is, I, I kind of had this conversation with myself before I ever talked to her about it. It's like, I could have her work from someone else and make them rich uh, and successful or I could have her work for us in some way, right? And she gets to grow and she gets to have the biggest benefit. She gets the opportunities that you know, even I wasn't presented, right? And I knew she would run with it. So I mean, why, why give that to someone else? It's like the best hire I could have ever had. I know that's weird to say about your wife, but
0: it is worth it. Is. I think it's really cool. I'm really excited to see where you go. So what kind of this is the expression I use. What kind of itches do you have to scratch? Like, So as you look at your life now, you're still a really young guy. You've had a lot of experience in a lot of different businesses. What is it that you really, really want to do?
1: I mean, right now, it's really about scalability for me. I want to help more contractors do more. Right now, uh, I mean, we help you know hundreds of contractors make a big difference in their business. And then we have a select group of dozens that, I mean, we blow up. I'm trying to figure out a way to take that personal approach that I'm doing now and make it scalable so maybe maybe I can't turn a company from five million to twenty million in four years, but I could take that five million dollar company and turn them to twenty million in seven eight years right and be consistent with it as opposed to just giving them information, but really make them accountable, which is one of the biggest issues they have all across the board and uh you know give a personal touch to it so my big itch right now is to be able to do that and then part of that scalability too is travel my wife is you know from Ireland European uh, going to Ireland is not negotiable it has to be part of the process uh, and then you know like to be able to next like next year we plan on spending a month in Italy will work it won't change a thing I need to we're trying to scratch that itch and figure out that longer travel bug I've already traveled a lot but you know, a week and a week and a half is about the longest I've gone. A month is going to be interesting.
0: That's going to be great. Look at your, pl- I love where you're going. So, what's a, what's a other than your dad? What? Tell me about a mentor, or and that could be someone you've never met. Like I consider Benjamin Franklin a mentor. You know, and I and I worked there and I studied up on him and I just I learned a lot about him and tend to think, you know, how would Benjamin Franklin, you know, face a situation like this? Who are the Who are the influences who have remained steady with you throughout your life?
1: I mean, I've had I've had the benefit. Like, and I'm pretty tightly tied into this industry. Like, Paul was a part of Blue Dot. If you were to look at, you know, let's say the hundred most successful HVAC plumbing companies in the United States, a large percentage of them are old Blue Dot guys. I don't know why that worked, but apparently it did. So, I've known a lot of really successful business owners not just in the HVAC space but you know I've played and I have software business so a digital marketing space and marketing obviously and consulting so I've had mentors throughout my life and I'm I'm a big fan of I keep one mentor at all times uh, I try aim for two one is a person I want to be like one is maybe I maybe I want to be like them, maybe I don't but they have a skill I want but there's not really it's it's a combination of so many people. I mean, I I certainly learned a ton from you over the years. Um,
0: oh, you tell me more though. Get specific. What about a book or um? Because I let me let me uh, segue with this because I know someone told me once you can't expect your mentors to be perfect, and you're gonna be you're gonna be up for a big disappointment here. Thinking that you put them on a a throne, you just watch. In fact, even as we talk about statues, I'm thinking, I don't, don't build a statue to me. Like we got to be careful about trying to put people up on pedestals at all. And I have found mentors, it it helped me to start looking for the one area of their life where their genius was, or maybe a couple of areas, but certainly not to expect them to be perfect or necessarily even have to be like them. So I relate, I relate to what you're saying there and then other people you do want to aspire to. I love I love the way you you differentiate there with no judgment, only love. That that's where, you know, people can play a role in your life. Uh, get get specific in terms of uh somebody or a book if you feel more comfortable with that. Like what I I you know, I know there are some books that like knocked me off my chair. I thought they were being written just for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I this is uh I mean, I was a young kid when I read this book which I think is why it's so influential but Still, my favorite book of all time. I read it once a year. Is How to Win Friends and Influence People, the very first business book. I try to live by that book as much as possible. So that that's certainly one. As of recently, Dale
0: Carnegie oh, classic. Yeah, Dale Car-
1: oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. As and, uh, of recently, like Russell Brunson is a uh, you know we just won that Two Comma Club Award, which we're super excited about. I mean, there's there's a lot of people. It's hard to single someone out. You know, my father has been my one like consistent one. Everyone else, as as weird as it sounds, I try not to have a bunch of long-term mentors. They, at some point, if you're doing it right, in my opinion, at some point they stop becoming a mentor and they start becoming an equal. And sometimes, in the ideal way, you start becoming a mentor to them. And if you're not doing that and actively doing that, I mean, that's the way I like to do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I like to provide more value than you've given me over the life of our relationship.
0: And even today, like I knew I could count on you. I was struggling with this podcast thing and I said, okay, could we make this like a tutorial? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Teach me a few things. I really I really appreciate that. Okay, let's talk about the industry a little bit. You mentioned Blue Dot and I am old enough to remember what happened with Blue Dot. And I wanna yeah. talk about the cycles in the industry and some of the exciting, like the chessboard to me, I got goosebumps, has never been more interesting. Oh, than for sure! It is right now. Once upon a time, in the late 1990s, there was really, from what I understand, the first big wave of consolidation and going public that the uh, dirty jobs industry experienced, and it was yeah. heady and delicious and very wild in terms of a lot of regulation came after <laughs> after it all happened. But Blue Dot was part of that, and you know, just to give maybe young people who aren't aware of some of the history of our industry. Blue Dot was a consolidator who went public, I believe. Did they go public?
1: They were owned by Northwestern. So Okay, so they got yeah.
0: private equity and then they broke up and a lot of the owners bought their companies back and built them up again. And that's, I know, I just got goosebumps again. I know several people who've done it and they created amazing second bites of the apple with their own companies.
1: Yeah, Oh yeah, no, uh, I mean, not to call out Blue Dot because Blue Dot was successful in, in every right. They they didn't sell because Blue Dot wasn't successful. You know, it was a northwestern problem. But some of those companies, they got very good multiples, especially for the time. They're not like crazy multiple people are getting now, which I think are crazy, which are amazing mm-hmm. by the way. Um, uh, but yeah, they would buy that same company back two years later for pennies on the dollar. And then skyrocketed right back to where it was. And it's like nothing's changed except they're much richer. <laughs> and uh, that happened a lot. Um, now, it was a, it's a different situation now than it was then. I mean, the truth is the multiples are way higher than they've ever been. Uh, private equity is way more aggressive than it's ever been. But there's way more systems like you know, Service Titan, SuccessWares, FieldNim, whatever you're using, right? Those didn't exist. In the same way back then, there was no way to to do reporting to check on it really It was that business was successful because of the owner, and the moment you took the owner out of it, it started to disintegrate a little bit right it didn't it lost its momentum at the very least uh, it 's not that way now, and private equity has learned like, hey, part of this deal is the owner has to stay a piece of it because when they don't, you know it slowly falls apart so this is a This is the biggest growth curve I've ever seen, I've ever heard of. I think there's a bubble that will eventually pop, but I don't think we're anywhere near it right now with everything going on with COVID and everyone's scared of the stock market. It's one of the safest industries you could be in because it's so recession resistant.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about creating wealth. Yeah. Because it's such a, a, you know, COVID has really made, I've always loved this industry now more than ever. You know, drains don't know about COVID. We are are always dealing with toxic, dangerous stuff. You know, PP has always been part of our lives. You know, so I, you know, the drain industry makes me very, very happy all the time. And now even more so because of the resilient nature of the work that we do. Now, certainly our customers are... Are struggling in ways that I don't want to be insensitive to, you know, hotels and restaurants and everybody has a different take on this situation. But I know that we got to clean drains and that is making dirty jobs more appealing than ever to private equity. Like you said about the stock market being insecure and the fact that these are, these are businesses that are going to continue to be. Uh, It can't be outsourced. It's going to happen every day. So what's interesting, and my partner, Jim, at Zoom Drain was pointing this out the other day, is the reason they're buying us is because we know how to make money doing these dirty jobs. The money is in selling stuff for more than it costs every day by clearing drains or doing HVAC or putting wires together and all that. So talk to me a little bit about wealth building and and what that
1: means to you. So- that's a, okay. That's a it's a big question. question. Yeah. I
0: know. But what came? What comes up for you as I ask that?
1: So wealth to me is probably different than most of the people that listen to this podcast. And I'm I'm going to be really clear. Like I did not always think this way. And it is, it's a really easy thing to say when you've had success and you're in a certain position. Um, but money is not my driver anymore. It hasn't been for quite some time. Uh, but that's really easy to say when you have money. The truth is the moment that you don't have money as a driver, it's way easier to make money. Everyone says that it's really hard to understand it until you lived it though. But now wealth is a combination of things for me. Certainly it's having enough money where I don't have to worry about money. That's a big piece of that. Uh, but it's also you know, having time freedom and doing what I love and doing with people that I love. So I think those things have to be combined to be wealthy, right? Wealth is... Wealth is not about what house you live in. It's it's also about who you live in it with, and what you're doing with your time, and your enjoyment and fulfillment. I think that's I think that's more important than anything. But it's really easy for me to say that now. You know, what I mean, I didn't feel that way when I was 25, and you know, not making uh, struggling to make young payroll, and scrappy
0: right? like Hamilton in our country.
1: Yeah, 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 sure.
0: Yeah. Have you seen the Have you seen the musical?
1: I have not. Okay.
0: Well, there you go. There you so go. You don't know my reference at all, <laughs> but that I, I I get that, and it is a different position to say, and there is that paradox that perhaps a a path to wealth is to be able to gather the mental discipline to not focus on the immediate need of it, because then that makes you tighten up. You're too tight on the reins. Like there's a lot of things that can't happen. If you start to panic about
1: the money, I don't even think it's that. Honestly, I think it's when you're focused on the money, which most people are, and that's fair. Like, I, I can't really argue with that because at one point in my life, I was a focused on the money too. You tend to do things that don't make sense for you. Um, it's not your skill set. You're just trying to collect, right? It's, it was about revenue, right? Not necessarily even about profit all the time. I was always about profit too, but. You know, it, it was about trying to chase something that maybe didn't fit your personality, didn't fit the business, didn't fit your capabilities. And you get bogged down by that kind of work and that kind of effort. And you lose sight of things that if you really loved and enjoyed and were good at, you would make so much more money at, but you don't even think about making the money. You just enjoy it. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, how did that happen? Right? Right. It's really easy it, to start,
0: it starts to escalate too, because I think some, some of the 10,000 hours that you put in just finally Clicks. start catching up. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. that thing, things that you put in place a long time ago, start to gain some traction. You know, it's I, one of the things I find myself saying to the franchisees, it's like, you're on the path, you're doing what you need to do. Think less just keep going because this will work it just is like the difference between planting a seed and reaping the harvest at some point you just got to let it grow but continue to work the soil and you know don't yeah. don't lose hope it's fine you're fine just don't stop because there is this panic like well shouldn't it manifest right now not necessarily it may cost more and take longer but it will inevitably happen if you put those ingredients together if you create those conditions talk to me about a time that you might've felt not so secure that you wondered if you were on the right path. And it's gonna lead to my second question, which is, do you spend time thinking about what it is that you want and having those conversations with yourself to get focused? Because I see nothing but opportunity. As I've gotten older, I'm also enjoying the ability to put a vessel down and and aim to fill it and say no to things that don't fit, at least for now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting better at, <laughs> it, this makes me even me laugh at focus. But the answer is, yes, I am. Um, tell me about a time you didn't feel like you were on the right path. And then what you do to make sure that you are.
1: I mean, I've been on the wrong path many times. <laughs> but um, I mean, if we're looking for a specific time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer this in two parts. So With Review Kangaroo, my software business, uh, it's not that I wasn't in the right path because we were making money and I'm successful and I was helping a lot of contractors, but it was, uh, you know, I didn't never want to stay at Parker & Sons like and just be, you know, I am Paul's son and yes, I'm a big part of the business, but it's his business ultimately, right? So I knew there would be a day where at least day to day I had to step out, right? And certainly that was a big time of uncertainty because at the time, you know, Parker & Sons was a hundred million. Um, it was exciting. It was growing. Uh, it was fairly automated. And it was very low risk comparatively, right? And I decided, you know, I had this idea and it really was a smart idea and it was really working for a software company to get way more reviews. At the time, it was a new idea. Now there's a bunch of companies that do it, right? Not the same way necessarily, but it's, it's a red sea compared to a blue sea, if any of you guys know. Some uh, digital marketing terms there, but I remember when I first started review kangaroo, I definitely had the wrong mindset, and it took me a while to get into it. Number one, I thought just because I was really good at marketing, which I had proven I was with companies across the United States, that I would be good at marketing a software company. That was not the case in the beginning. It was a much different sale. It was a much different process, and I tried to fill that that mistake or that bad concept with work, right? And I've always been a hard worker. But at one point for Review Kangaroo, I was working 80 to 90 hours a week. Now, a lot of business owners do that. I could tell you that's not a way to be successful. And I got stuck in this loop where I was just working, working, working. And I felt the need to try to solve every problem. Even though I had a team and they were adding stuff, it was just, I was creating as many problems as I was solving by my own fault. Right. And actually took, uh, you know, I, I wish, I wish it was like this situation. Like I realized, and then a bright light went off and I changed. Right. But that's, that's not what happened. I actually had an event happen, uh, a pretty serious event. I don't know. Do, do you ever know about my, uh, about Tiersa, my ex?
0: I a little bit, but share,
1: share if you yeah. would. Yeah. So I was, uh, I'm originally from Cincinnati and this is hard to talk about, by the way. Um, still to this day. And I was there for Christmas and, uh, Tiersa, my ex-girlfriend was with me, uh, and my whole family was there and we have a big family and we we're having a great time. And we we're actually going to fly out, um, the next morning, like six in the morning, back to Phoenix. And, um, that night Tiersa fell down the stairs, fell down the stairs, hit her head, um, at my cousin's house. You know, we were going to bed and, uh, uh I ran, I grabbed her. I put her on my lap, which is the exact wrong thing to do blood everywhere had to call the ambulance um rode the ambulance end up living in cincinnati for months she was in a coma she eventually came out of coma and to be honest to this day she's not like a fully functional adult right and i remember at that time it was one of the hardest things i could do i remember having to call her father explain what happened uh bought him a ticket flew him to cincinnati and uh it was a difficult situation, but I remember how empowering it was when I started realizing what was important. Um, cause I was working every day, which is crazy. I was working from, uh, you know, four in the morning till 10. And then I go from the hospital from 10 30 till midnight every single day for three, four months, Monday through Sunday. Right. Um, and I started realizing that that work I was doing, you know what, it it didn't, I felt empowered because if it didn't get done today, no one died. Like it wasn't an emergency like I thought it was. It wasn't this big, terrifying thing that had to be done. And I started, really, I was forced to prioritize and to simplify and to delegate more, which I was already doing, but It took it to the extreme. And as weird as that sounds, it was the hardest thing that ever happened to me. But I learned so much about myself, about how caring I could be, uh, how unselfish I could be. And uh, really, I learned like in a moment what actually mattered. And by the way, it wasn't the business when it came down to it. Sorry, I was emotional.
0: Yeah, and thats um, I knew when that happened, but we haven't talked about it like this yeah so thank you for sharing that.
1: yeah, anyway
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so now, like, how do you stay in touch with what matters like so, when you feel like do do you meditate, do you have a procedure is there do you have some techniques that you can use to pull yourself back together?
1: So, I mean, I do have a morning routine and a technique, which I mean, this is Laura probably won't appreciate this, but we're going to do it anyway, is, uh, you know, we wake up in the morning, we do a breathing exercise from like the Iceman. I don't know if you know, it was a Oh, hour Wim
0: Hof. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know I mean, Wim Hof. Are you oh, yeah. kidding? I'm a all big the, fan. Oh, all the power. Yeah. <laughs> his story is amazing. Oh my I, God. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could recommend learning about him. Uh, yeah. W-I-M-H-O-F.
1: But tell me more. So you do yeah. some,
0: some breathing we, we exercises. We do some
1: breathing exercises, which kind of sends, centers me a little bit. And if I'm feeling stressed, I'll do it. But I'm not one that really gets stressed anymore, to be honest. And then uh, every morning, me and Laura do one song. If we pick randomly, we slow dance. And I know that's so weird, but we've been You're doing killing that for- You're me, Smalls. I love this so much. That no. is so cool. How did that start? I- well, we did this Tony Robbins event, right? And we're like, I was like, I'm not a morning person. I've decided I'm going to be a morning person. I'm going to figure this out. The only way I could do that is if I systematize it, right? So I had to find a way to wake up every morning, something I was excited about, something I would jump out of bed for. So that was part of what motivated me is like, hey, I get to hold my wife for three minutes and just no stress, just love, right? And uh, now we do it every morning and have been for quite some time. Yeah. So that's my morning routine. In general, though, mm-hmm. I will tell you, I've never had to re I, I sometimes get stressed. I'm not particularly a stressed person, um, but I don't really have to recenter myself with priorities necessarily. That was enough of a pain point for me when it happened that I don't think I'll ever lose focus of what's important again.
0: I love you. I love this conversation. I thank you for being so, you know, I, I mentioned the word vulnerable. I it's, I know it's kind of a buzzword right now, thanks Brene Brown, um, but it, it really resonates with me because that's that's what matters, man is getting is getting to know people and and to to love each other. And thank you for sharing with me and with you, dear read, dear reader, dear listener. Um, I'm glad you were here to to have this conversation with us. So as we we wrap up, I feel like there's not much more need that can said
1: today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's lots, but yeah, it may not be good. Well, I
0: mean, just for the moment, let's just embrace this moment. Any, any, uh, parting words like, Oh, I'm going to meet with Ellen on the podcast today. Maybe I will say this or anything you feel like you you're moved to say before we wrap up today.
1: I mean, if I'm going to give someone advice as listening to this, just enjoy your life. Enjoy every day. You never know what's going to happen. This business can be stressful, it can be overwhelming, but being stressed and overwhelming, oh, being overwhelmed is a choice. And if you don't understand that, it's do some research. There's things you could do out there. Life doesn't have to be difficult. In fact, it shouldn't. I don't know. I don't know if that was helpful or not.
0: Oh, it was awesome. What an amazing conversation. Thanks so much for sharing. And thanks for helping me get my microphone figured out, too. You're a no great friend. And uh, I love you even more. Thanks for going behind the wall. This is Ellen Rohr for PHCP Pros. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you.